Hello and welcome all to the Partnered Primary Care Research Podcast. Research for you, by you. A podcast dedicated to learning more about patient and community partners in patient-oriented primary care research in Canada. The Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network is proud to present this podcast with a focus on public representation in health. Join us to discover who our community partners are in our network and the people who work with them. Hi, and welcome to the Partnered Primary Care Research Podcast. Research for you, by you. My name is Jillian Bartlett-Esplant, and I'm the Executive Director of the Network Coordinating Office of the Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network. I'm very pleased to have Joan Cranston from Newfoundland here today as our guest. Hi, Joni. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, I'm originally from Ontario, but I've lived in Newfoundland for over 30 years. I'm a physiotherapist, and I have the privilege of living and working in a small rural community, Norris Point, in Grossmoor National Park on the beautiful west coast of Newfoundland. I have heard it's actually one of the most beautiful spots in Canada, and I hope one day to visit there. But can you tell us why did you become a patient partner? I've thought a lot about this question, and I think I've actually always been a patient partner from the time I started practicing as a physiotherapist, because I saw my role as a health professional to partner with my patients to help them achieve their health goals. It was a partnership. And I always did a lot of advocating on behalf of my patients living in a rural area. They don't have access to all the services that are sometimes necessary. So I partnered with them to do that. And then opportunities presented themselves from a community development background. When one organization was folding, this opportunity came up to be involved in NL support on a patient advisory council of the strategy for patient-oriented research. So that kind of led me into this field. Can you tell us a little bit more about what does it mean to you to be a patient partner? Tell us about your lived experience as a patient partner in primary care and what matters to you. Well, it means two things to me to be a patient partner. Primarily, I see myself as speaking on behalf of all my patients. I talk to 10 patients a day, four times a week, and we have discussions about their health and about health care and what they need. And I bring their voices to the provincial and the national table. So I feel that I am partnering with them. But I don't think as a health professional, you can actually speak on behalf of patients unless you've been a patient. I lived with hip arthritis. Apparently it developed when I was a, a child growing up, but I never lived. So who knew? From the time I was 30, it gradually got worse and worse and worse. But I carried on living I was so actually grateful to get to experience chronic pain because you don't understand it if you've never had it. So that was a very valuable experience for me as a patient partner. Fortunately, hip arthritis is something that can be cured with a total hip replacement, which I did have, I think I was age 57 or 58. And fortunately, I'd done a course about myofascial release, which allowed me to self-treat myself post-op and get the best result out of my surgery. So my lived experience is about the chronic pain, going through a surgery that went sideways, but I ended up 
self-treating and got the best results possible. So what matters to me is for researchers and health professionals and the system as a whole to really listen to patients, what matters to them. It's not how many pills a day. It's more qualitative rather than quantitative. Sometimes it's quantitative if they're talking about their pain. But I think what really matters is recognizing that they have PhDs in their lived experience. And we have to recognize that and we have to value that. One of the first orthopedic surgeons that I worked with said a very wise thing to me. He said, just ask your patients and they will tell you what's wrong. Then you've got your answers. You go from there. So I think the most important thing is valuing patients and their voices. Thank you, Joni. And that's really interesting. I can see from your uh, vocabulary that you've been around a lot of researchers and you're developing that expertise. It's fascinating to me that you are approaching this from both sides of the table. And that's also an invaluable perspective. So if someone was thinking of becoming a patient partner, what advice would you have for them? Be passionate about what you do. Focus on your own experience because that will inform the approach you bring to the table, but also listen to others around you and get that wider experience to bring to the table. When you become a patient partner on these councils, recognize that there is huge expertise around the table in the other patient partners, in the researchers, and in the staff that actually do a lot to facilitate these processes. I think sometimes patients are so inwardly focused that we think it's all about us. It's not all about us. It is about us, but there is so much expertise and knowledge and willing to collaborate out there that you should be prepared to take full advantage of that. The other thing that I know is a barrier to some of my patients is the whole technology, the whole level of uh, literacy that you need to read some of the materials that are presented, navigating the technology, having access to broadband, these kind of things can be barriers. So I think you have to recognize that. You have to recognize that it's huge. The field is huge. You can get pulled in a thousand different directions. So you decide, do you want to go off in all directions or do you want to focus? Find your best partners, other patients, researchers to work with so that you use your time wisely and to an advantage. I have heard several patient partners becoming overwhelmed lately with the demands. And we need to maybe find another way to engage more people in the system so that the demands can be spread out in a wider, among a wider group of patient partners. I think that is excellent advice. Let's get more people in and get them talk, take talking from more perspectives. That is really good advice. Can you share a moment in your patient partner journey that touched you the most or you're most proud of? Um, I was working on a business plan today for the Great Northern Peninsula Community Place Project that I'm starting in a small community called Portishwa, working with a volunteer group of board of directors, a health practitioner collective, as well as a research collective that is providing support for the project. It truly is a patient-led project. All these people on the board have been my patients and we decided that we needed a proper space to offer the care. So apart from a business plan that we'll use to access some funding, we're raising our own money to purchase the building and to provide initial operating costs. 
we created this fundraising structure with platinum, gold, silver, and bronze partners. And in order not to exclude anyone, we have a category of community builders where people can give whatever amount they're able to give. And then we wanted to have a poster. It has a lighthouse on it with platinum at the top and community builders at the base on the bottom. And we wanted a quote to uh, tie the whole thing together. We said this project is about all the communities on the Great Northern Peninsula. And my board came up with this line. This project will be built by the people for the people. And they are true partners in their health. And they don't they do know that research is involved. They don't know that they're actually part of this whole big experiment to see what happens when you spark this kind of thing in a rural community. But they really owned it and they're building it for their community. And that just broke my heart, made me very proud. That's amazing. I think as I've been doing these podcasts, I realize there's some things we hear again and again, but I also realize that All of you are expanding the definition of patient partner and what patient partners can contribute in providing really great examples. Um, Really look forward to seeing how that works out. It sounds like a super exciting initiative and something that's um, going to be relevant and probably needed by more than just your community. So that is great to hear about. Um, So I'm going to switch a little bit here and ask you if you have any messages for the researchers out there who are new to patient partner research and are considering embarking on this challenging, but what I have said over and over again is a rewarding endeavor. Uh, You're in for quite a ride and quite an experience. Patients bring insight and wisdom, but also humor and They can bring you into their communities and they will really enrich whatever research that you're hoping to do. And I think also help to make it more relevant. I've had a lot of background in community economic development and we don't talk about community oriented research. We talk about community based research. And one of the values of community based research, it's research about the community, by the community, for the community. Academic research sometimes only reaches an academic audience. It's very valuable, but sometimes only reaches an academic audience. It often doesn't reach the audience that it may be about. So academic patient research may take a long time to trickle down to those patients. The other secret weapon that community-based or patient-centered research has is that the patients or the community will then take ownership of the research and the messages and they can sell it to the policymakers and the politicians much more easily than perhaps an academic researcher can, because there's almost three languages here. There's the academic research language, there's the plain language that communities speak, and then there's the policymakers that are somewhere in between. The value of a person telling their own story is very powerful to influence policy and influence politicians who help make policy happen. So my message for the researchers is that be very prepared to listen, be prepared to change your mind a thousand times, be prepared to be open, be prepared to be respectful, and you're in for quite a valuable collaboration, I think. Well, I don't think you've misspoke at all there, and you certainly described my experience with this endeavor, and listening is definitely active listening and hearing what people have to say is absolutely critical to this. So Joni, any final words for our audience? 
There's just two quick points. One thing is that often patient partners are on, on a lot of the committees I'm on, they end up getting recruited as partners on ongoing research studies or new research studies. I actually haven't done that. I've just been starting my own thing and doing that research on the ground, patient-led, community-led, whatever. But the experience that I've gained from sitting around these tables and hearing how things work and how relationships develop has been invaluable for me for my work on the ground. I think another final thing that I want to emphasize is that the spotlight has shifted onto patient partners, and that's wonderful, and they're an incredibly valuable resource. But sometimes what I find, and I think when I went to, I can't remember which conference it was, doesn't matter. As an audience member, I loved hearing about the patients and their stories, but actually, I want to know about the researchers. Who are they as people? I remember hearing a couple of nurses, I think, who did research with Indigenous populations in Northern BC, and I thought, I want to know who those women are, who those people are, and why they donated such a, a part of their life and, and their skill and their expertise to, to help a, a rural Northern community. I, I think we need to honor our patients, but we also need to honor the researchers because they're equally important parts of the team. Thank you, Joni, for that and for humanizing what is an incredible endeavor. And I will be having a podcast with a couple of our researchers that work with our patient partners. So uh, I'm glad to hear you say that. And yes, there's a lot of reasons people come to research and those are great stories as well. So I want to thank you very much. For those of you wondering how you can get involved as a patient or community partner, if you go to our website, spore-picky.com, that is S-P-O-R-P-I-H-C-I.com, on the landing page, there's a map. If you click on your province or territory, the links for that particular picking network will appear. On their website, you should find more information on how to link with your local primary care research groups. At the bottom of the page, there's also a link under Get in Touch that will allow you to email us directly. This is the same page where you can find our previous podcasts. I would like to thank our production staff, Nick Beaudry, Jamie Demore, and our own production patient partner, Kent Cadigan lofsgard Join us for our next episode for more voices from our patient and community partners, where we are highlighting the active and engaging role they play in our patient-oriented research agenda for primary care. In other words, more research for you, by you. This podcast is brought to you by the Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network, otherwise known as the PICI Network, in collaboration with the Newfoundland and Labrador Strategy for Patient-Oriented Research PICI Network. Visit our website at sporepicky.com. That's S-P-O-R hyphen to learn more about our activities and upcoming events.